All right. What is up, 2017? How are you guys? Hanging tight? Awesome. Um, that's, that's so funny. That bumper, for those of you watching online, you missed the bumper, but that bumper was so amazing, and I started dancing, and, but then I realized I'm white, and so... <laughs> It was just so lame, so sorry, guys. Um, but hey, uh, go ahead and give your neighbor a high five and say, hey, 2016's over. Praise the Lord. Praise God. This is going to be a special year. Before we, before we get started tonight, I want to do something really quickly, and I just want to give a, a heartfelt and just a deep thanks. I work, with, um, I work with some of the most incredible people, and, um, and not just uh, staff, not just interns, but the volunteers. Um, you volunteers that volunteer here every week, um, this series, I believe, um, is so much a reflection of your heart, talking about his glory and his kingdom. That's what you guys day in, day out, week in, week out, that's what you sweat for. That's what you leave work early for and work extra hours on other days for so that you can get here. You can serve people. You can let people know about Jesus. And I am just so grateful. And I'm so grateful for our four interns. If you guys don't know who they are, um, it's Keaton, Preston, Seam, and Sophie, and you should get to know them. Um, this week alone, uh, Charlotte Arino probably did a 60-hour work week in three days. Um, I want to thank her and um, just the, the, um, the devotion that she has to make this place beautiful. Thank you to Connor for leading our teams. Thank you to Doug for um, leading our staff and leading YA with me. Um, thank you to Whitney for um, just putting together everything and endlessly working without any recognition. Um, I'm just uh, so grateful for you guys. This series is your heart. And so um, it's important that I say that because they have laid um, some groundwork spiritually that um, all of you are going to get to experience tonight in Christ. And so this series, um, you know, because we start out in the new year, right? It's the new year, and you feel this amazing, uh, it's like it's like instantaneous. I'm not even quite sure how it is or why it is. Every year, as soon as that, you know, ball drops and, like, weird people kiss each other in New York City, like, um, every year, like, uh, th th there's something in us that, that feels that newness. And, and, and something in us that thinks, oh my goodness, this is it. Like there's a resolve, like this could be the year. This could be my year. And that word resolution comes from that word resolve. We have this new resolve towards our life and towards what God is going to do, towards what we are going to accomplish in our new year, right? And um, I read the top 10 uh, resolutions, by and large, that people have, and I thought I'd share them with you. So, you know, we want to lose weight or eat healthier. Our uh, staff right now, a good portion of them are on Whole30. And um, I'm literally, like, in a corner with, like, a donut, like, tempting them like it's so good um you know look look here's the deal Jesus didn't say um I am the kale of life he didn't say I am he did not he didn't say I'm the broccoli of life he said I am the bread of life bread is life gluten is life 
right? Number two was uh, life improvement, self-improvement. You can find dozens upon dozens of books in uh, Barnes & Noble about that. Better financial decisions. You guys like hacked up your credit cards and then you're like, what did I do? You know, um, quit smoking or if you're in Colorado, quit toking. Um, <laughs> pot jokes for days, folks. Um, do more exciting things. Walter Mitty, you know, got the best of us. And you're like, for all of you who play World of Warcraft, you're like, I actually am going to go see the world, right? Like, you're, so um, you're going to spend more time with close family and friends. You're going to work out more often. Um, you're going to learn something new. For me, I'm going to learn how to fold a fitted sheet. It's going to be amazing. Um, you're going to do more good deeds. That was number nine. And number 10, this one was awesome. This was, by and large, the nation. This was the 10th the one. 10th resolution was find the love of your life. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bring it. Um, but it's almost as if when we make these resolutions, when we have this resolve, we're trying to prophesy over our year and be like, this is it. This is the year for me. This is the year that I accomplish the things I've always wanted to accomplish. I, I receive the thing that I've been hoping I would receive. This is my year. This is my year to get the promotion. This is my year to lose the five pounds. Like, whatever. This is my year. And I, I'm here to tell you that I do believe that this year is special. And as we've been praying, I think this year is incredibly uh, set apart. But here is why I think this year is very special. And this year, moving forward into your future is special. And it's because of this. It's because this year is not your year. It's because this year is actually his year. This year belongs to him. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, he rode into Nazareth, and he, and he you know, gets off his donkey. I don't know, I don't know what he, how he, but that's what I'm thinking. And so, and he goes into a synagogue, and he unrolls the scroll of Isaiah, and he, and he looks at all of the people there, and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me. To proclaim good news to the cap or good news to the poor, he sent me to uh, proclaim freedom for the captives, sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim a year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolls it up and he sets it down and he and he says before all of them, "I say to you today that prophecy and scripture is fulfilled." In other words, I'm the anointed one. This is what Jesus was saying. I'm the set apart one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that's going to set free the captives. I'm the salvation. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. And I am the one that is here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Other translations say this is the Lord's year to act. In other words, he's saying this is my year. That's what Jesus was saying. This is my year to perform miracles. This is my year to set some things straight. He is the king, and I believe that this year is his year. And I think that all of us in here are going to experience a year like we have never had before if we can reconcile the fact that this year belongs to him. And so there's a question that I think that I would like for all of us to ask, not just today, but moving into your new year, moving into January and February and March and the rest of the year. And it's simply this, whose kingdom are you going to sow into this year? Whose kingdom are you going to sow into this year? And I titled tonight, you've seen those 
you know, t-shirts and coffee mugs, and they're all over the place, and it says, okay, but first, coffee, right? And if you haven't seen them, whatever, they're everywhere. And I titled tonight, okay, but first, kingdom. And so let's pray and ask Jesus to be here. God, we thank you. God. Um, the stage has been set. I love you so much. I know that you want to move tonight. I know that you just want to show how good you are. I know that you want to move in people's hearts, and I know that you want to um, rearrange the destinies of everybody in here for your glory, for your kingdom, and your purposes, and your goodness. And so ahead of time, I thank you for what's going to happen by the end of tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right. So uh, you guys know that John and I, my incredible husband, we have two children. We have a baby. She is six months old and beautiful. And then we have a two-year-old named Brooklyn. Now, we a few years back, we went on our very first family trip. And for those of you who are going to be parents someday, I don't have a ton of parenting advice for you. But um, I will just give you my one parenting tip, and it's this. Don't travel with your children, Okay. <laughs> Like, just don't. And, and if you are going to travel with your children, just don't take them on planes, right? Um, and, and, and even better yet, don't do what John and I did. And on our very first trip, we took our daughter, Brooklyn, who was uh, seven months old at the time, on two planes, right? We were like, this is going to be great. Let's just make it. Let's just stretch it out a full day, right? And so um, if you've never, for those of you who aren't around kids much, um, let me just tell you what, like, traveling with a child is like. It's essentially the equivalent of uh, transporting a prisoner. And here's what I mean. It's like, it's like uh, you're a serial killer, and we're going to strap you to something, and then we're going to strap you to, you know, a guard, and then we're going to strap you to your chair, and then, you know, and, you're, and, and so here's what it's like for me. Brooklyn's like strapped to her car seat and in her, you know, you know, stroller thing and she's like there and I'm making sure that, you know, and I'm all of my senses are heightened like I'm, you know, working with a serial killer and I and then and then I strap her to myself as we like get on the concourse and we, you know, break down the 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 carrier and we break down the the it's so much stuff, how, what we bring. And, you know, and then we get on the plane and we unstrap her and we, like, strap her to a seat. I mean, it's literally, like, the most intense thing you've ever gone through. And so we, we get on this plane and uh, as, we're, as we're, the moment, you know, they call, like, our boarding and it's, who doesn't love Southwest? You know, they call our boarding unit and I'm like, this is amazing. And she lets out this, like, she doesn't cry. And she lets out this blood-curdling scream. And it just continues. And so I'm carrying her, and I'm like, oh, hey. Hey. You know, and everybody's, like, looking, like, down because they don't want me to sit next to them. And, 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 and I'm just like, hey, hey, oh, those peanuts look scrumptious, you know? <laughs> like, and I sit down, and, um, and for the next, like, day like of flying she just cries and cries and cries and she's so upset and I'm stressed out right and we finally get to where we're going we're going to Florida with family and we finally touch down and John's like I know you need to blow off some steam and I'm like I do and and he's like I got an idea and him and my brother-in-law came up with an idea they're like we got a Godzilla costume and we're gonna go to the beach we're gonna build sandcastles we're going to put Brooklyn in the uh, Godzilla costume. And then she's going to smash the Sand City <laughs> as we, like, GoPro her. And so there's a picture here. That was what we did. And 
If you're, if you're, you know, a parent like me, you use your children to entertain you. And so we have issues. And so this is what we did for the afternoon. But one thing that uh, we learned that day or that I learned that day is, is this, is that at the time Brooklyn was about 17 pounds and it was nothing for her to demolish a sand city. It was nothing. It was easy for her. And the Bible talks very clearly and implicitly about two ways that you and I can live out the entirety of our years, can live out the entirety of our days, and that we can spend all of our time and all of our energy and all of our ambitions and money, and we can, we can do it building what God, uh, Jesus talks about in Matthew 7, building into something that is from him and is his kingdom. And he says it's like building your house on a solid rock, on the foundation of Jesus himself. Or you can spend your entire life and your ambition and your toil and your time and your resources building something, building a kingdom for yourself. And he said it's similar to building a house in the sand. That the moment the waves come or the moment that a Brooklyn comes, it's gone. There are two ways, and this dichotomy is found all throughout Scripture. Jesus is trying to get us outside of ourselves and help us to understand that there are two ways that you can live your life, and you can either live your life building a kingdom of God and what is already his, or you can build a kingdom for yourself. And uh, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts 2. That's where we're going to be hanging out for a little bit tonight. Um, and this dichotomy of from God and from man comes up again. And it says this. This is in Acts 5. And it says this. Then the high priest and all of his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They are jealous of this man Peter, and they are jealous of this man John, because they are flocks of people are coming to them as they preach about this man Jesus. Um, they arrested the apostles and put them in a public jail. And during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he says, and tell the people about this new life. Okay, so here's what's happening here. The Pharisees and the Sadducees imprison uh, Peter and they imprison Paul, or wow, in John, sorry. I'm sorry. And... Uh, they put them in jail, and an angel shows up, and this happens a couple of times in Acts, but if you've ever seen Prison Break, okay, this is what the angel's doing. He's like, he's like, what's up? I've got some plans. He like, he's like, just kidding, I don't need plans, and then he blows off the door, and I'm an angel, wow, and, and the dudes just walk out, and then he says this, now go and preach about the kingdom. Go and preach about the only life worth living. Go and tell everybody about this salvation. And he says, go, go do it. And so they do. And um, the, it's hilarious because the Sadducees and the Pharisees find them out in this like, city center. And they're white, like, wait, I'll put you in jail. And this encounter kind of happens between the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Peter and John. And they're like, look, we told you, Peter, we told you, John, to stop preaching about Jesus. And the men look at him and they're like, I know that you said that. Sorry, not sorry. We just can't. We can't obey man. We have to obey God. 
the story goes on and it says this, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given us to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put him to death. So, so the Pharisees and the Sadducees are like, stop talking about Jesus. We're gonna imprison you again. Maybe we're gonna kill you this time. Stop it. And they're like, we can't. And, they, and right there, they give a mini sermon to anybody who will listen. I love it because they're just so ambitious. They're like, oh, we'll preach to the Pharisees and we'll preach to the Sadducees. It's fine. And so they begin to preach to them this like mini sermon. And they're like, look, this man that we've been waiting for, the Messiah, the Savior of all of Israel, the Prince, he's Jesus Christ. And he came for the salvation of all of Israel. And then they say this and they're like, you dudes killed him. All of you men standing before me. And because you killed him, God thought it proper to raise him from the dead and make him the true salvation of all of Israel. And so he, at this moment, what he's essentially doing is calling them out. He's like, look, you guys are the one that killed him, not me. But God still, you know, got his glory out of it. And they are fuming. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are fuming over this. And they, they look to apprehend them and possibly kill Peter and John completely fired up and then a man steps in a pharisee steps in to speak and his name is gamaliel and when he talks everyone in the entire room shuts up and it says this but a pharisee named gamaliel a teacher of the law who was honored by all people he stood up in the sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while so they put peter out they put john out and then he addressed the sanhedrin men of israel he said Consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, uh, Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody. You ever met somebody that wanted to be somebody or was claiming to be somebody? Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied uh, to him. But he was killed and his followers were dispersed and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and his followers were scattered. So what Gamaliel is saying is this um, kind of thing that happened during the Old Testament and during the New Testament. They call it the intertestamental period. And there was a bunch of wars. There were the Maccabean Wars and just loads of things that happened during this time. And during this time, there was a series of military leaders that would rise up and people would think, my goodness, maybe this is the Savior. Maybe this is the Messiah. And they would begin to follow this dude only to find out he was completely human and he would die and they would all disperse. I wonder how many times there's been leaders that have been propped up and have led bands of people only to be found to be completely human. And Gamaliel says, you see, we don't have to worry because it's quite possible that this thing will self-destruct on its own. And he says this, he says, Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, Sanhedrin, leave these men alone. Let them go. Let Peter go. Let John go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it's from God, you will not be able to stop them. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. How many of you know that there is a difference and there is a spiritual difference 
between plans and activity. The Bible says purpose and activity that is birthed of God and purpose and activity that is birthed of man. That there is a difference, that there is an absolute dichotomy that exists and that we have loads of people, Christians, that have purpose and ambition and activity. And it is of human origin. It's from man. It's not from God. We are children of the 80s. We are children of the 90s, right? And for any of you that grew up in the 80s and the 90s, I mean, you know what, like, our environment was like growing up. I remember being in first grade, and we all got shirts. Our whole first grade class got shirts, and they were these little blue shirts with, like, a star. And it was like, I'm a shooting star. (laughs) And the message was clear. You can do anything you want. The world is your oyster. There is nothing impossible for you, first graders. In fact... Doug told me this story this week. He had a friend who, as a, as a child growing up in the 80s and the 90s in grade school, his teacher came to him and he said, you know, hey, little boy, sorry, you can be anything you want when you grow up. What do you want to be? And he goes, I want to be a dinosaur. <laughs> and here's the thing, though. The teacher didn't correct him. He was like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> you can be a dinosaur someday if you try real hard. In 1985, and this was before many of you were born, but this was kind of the the vibe and the zeitgeist of the time, a song came out called We Are the World. And it's like, we are the world, come on. We are the children, that's us. We are the ones who make a brighter day, so let's start living. There's a choice we're making. We're saving our own lives. Okay, so, so here's the deal. You're welcome. Hey, you're welcome. Nicole, I dare you to do that good of a job. Um, But here's the thing. What we were being told as kids is nothing's impossible for you. You are the world. You are the children. You're the ones that are going to make the brighter day. And we were like, yes. And listen to me. Some of this was biblical language. God says that nothing is impossible with God. God says that he does have a plan for your life to prosper you and give you a hope and a future. God says that he gives you the desires of your heart. The problem is, is that we have taken this idea of anything is possible. The world is our oyster. I am a shooting star. And we have made it about our purpose and our activity. And so we have millions of saved purposeful, driven, gifted, talented Christians carrying out purposes of human origin. God tells us in Acts 5 that there's two ways this thing goes down. We either spend our lifetime building a kingdom for ourselves, and it will fail. Or we spend a lifetime building a kingdom that already exists, that already reigns, that we get to participate in the Great Commission and make sure that his kingdom goes on. And he says this, Acts 5 says this, he says, this kingdom, if you want to be a part of this, it's unstoppable. Your life will be unstoppable. 
your calling will be unstoppable because it's his church. It's his kingdom. It's his rule. It's his reign. It's not yours. It's his. And so tonight I want to talk about a couple of principles about building what God has already established and building upon everything that the saints have laid a foundation for. And the first thing is this, get the order right. If you're in here tonight, you need to get the order right. Anytime we go out to lunch or to dinner as a staff, um, it's inevitable. But like they get Connor's order wrong every time. He'll be like, I want a hamburger without cheese and extra tomato. And they'll be like, sweet, here's a cheeseburger with guacamole. And he'll be like, okay, I want the French dip. And they're like, awesome, here's French toast. Like, it happens every single time to this poor man. And it's become a joke now. We're just like, sorry, dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Don't tip her, I guess. I'm not sure. High fiver? Bless her. Extra money. It's the kingdom. So, so... Like, so, you know, and every time, not every time, but when I was pregnant, every time I would leave YA and I would drive out and I'd be like, and I'd like pull into Wendy's and I'd roll in and every time I got a frosty and a large fry every time and I'd roll out and nothing's worse than opening that bag and being like, oh, they got the order wrong. Like, you know, it's a small fry, you know, and you're just like, dang, you know, but, um, it's fine. First world problems. And then there's order. There's a reason that things need to be in order. Order matters in the kingdom. The Bible says that God is a God of order. He's not a God of disorder. And um, in mathematics, there's this word. uh, I want to get it right for all of the mind students in here. It's called permutations. Permutations. And there are groups of numbers. (laughs) I hope I'm getting this right. Don't. Okay. There are groups of numbers, and sometimes numbers are combinations, okay? So you have 2, 4, 6, 8, but it can be a combination. It can be 4, 2, 6, 8. It can be 6, 4, 2, 8. Like, it doesn't matter, right? Um, But a permutation has to be a set of numbers in an order. And so um, here's a joke for you, all of you mind students. We should have actually called our combination locks in high school permutation locks. (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) Order matters. My daughter loves going outside. She loves going outside. She loves being with her dad and sweeping snow, and she just loves being outside. And so she'll run downstairs anytime John's outside, and she'll have everything she needs. So she'll have her snow pants and her um, gloves and her hat and her pants. And, you know, but if I let her get dressed on her own, like normally it's like her, you know, shoes are on without pants, and she's got gloves on but no shirt or like a hat, you know. And so it's completely out of order. And the deal is if she can't go outside... And I'll talk to her and I'll be like, Brooklyn, you can't, we can't just go outside. You don't have pants on. Like, like you can't go outside until we get the order right. And when it comes to God's kingdom, I think that the church in America, we have a problem with order. We have a problem with the way that we order our hearts and our spirits and our minds. We have a problem. Let me tell you what I mean. We know the verse Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. It's plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We know this verse. We tattoo it. We have it on blankets. We got it on our mirrors. You know, like we know this verse. But a less known verse comes right after that, and it says this, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And we love the part about God giving us everything that we 
we ever wanted, a hope and a future and a dream and a plan and a job and a thing. And we're so excited and we're like, yes, God. But the Bible says that we find him when there's an order, when we seek him. The Bible says that he will be listening to you because he loves you and you're his kid. When? When you call to him, there's an order. There's an order. We love the verse. I hear 20-something say it all the time. The, the Lord gives me the desires of my heart. God gives me. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 34, 7. People say it all the time. God's going to give me a wife because I desire it. <laughs> but the Bible says there's an order here. It says you take delight in the Lord first. And then he gives you the desires of your heart. And do not be surprised if they are one and the same. If you begin to take delight in Jesus and you will find that your desire is Jesus. That's the point. The Bible says in uh, Matthew 6, 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Chad said it so well on Sunday, and we joke about it, but I knew I was going to preach on this a long time ago. And then he started preaching, and I was like, you stole my sermon. <laughs> if you weren't there on Sunday, uh, make sure to watch it online. It was incredible. But he said this. He said, our church does not struggle to seek God. All of you are here because you want to know him. You love him. But we do struggle. The American church struggles to seek him first. And there will be millions of us that will set out into this year and will set out into years following this year. And we will hope that God will add to us. God, give me the promotion. God, give me the dream. Give me the accolade. Give me the recognition. Give me the platform. Give me the influence. Add to my life. And he's like, there's an order. You seek me and my kingdom, and I will make sure that everything is taken care of. In other words, you take care of his kingdom, he'll take care of your kingdom. You take care of his, and he'll take care of yours. That's all you have to worry about. There is an order. We need to get the order right. The second thing tonight is that we need to smash our kingdoms. Smash our kingdoms. I think sometimes even if we get the order right, um, this is something that we can end up doing without even meaning to. It's a human tendency. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, 2, 10, or 2, 10, sorry, that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for works that he has prepared in advance for you to do, meaning this, that every single one of you has been fashioned completely from the time that you were in your mother's womb. He has made you to be the only you that can ever exist or ever will exist. Your giftings, your talents, there are some of you in here with medical giftings, with business giftings, the arts, communications. You have so many gifts and they were fashioned for good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. But here's the tricky part, is that a whole bunch of us, we get tricked, we get fooled, we get um, sometimes bombarded by the world to believing that those things are here to, for us to build up a kingdom for ourselves. That we're here to get the MD behind our name. That we're here to make sure that our business accolades are known. That we're here 
to be a pastor so that people know who we are? God, help us who fashioned us so that we actually believe that these things were created and meant for us to build sandcastles for ourselves. And I think that, you know, you think about social media right now, the things that, that we push. Doug's taking an entire break from social media this month, and you're welcome to join him. Are we there pushing God's agenda? And it's okay. <laughs> or are we pushing our own? Are we there um, lifting up the name of Jesus? Or are we lifting up our name? You think about the drive and the ambition that you see in the corporate work field, in, in, your, in your schools. Is that drive and ambition for his good, for his kingdom, for his people, for his great commission? Or is it for us? It's a problem. Our kingdoms are a problem. When we look up to, I look up to people like Moses. I look up to people like David. I look up to people um, like Joseph. But you never see them pray prayers like, God, this is my year. <laughs> it's like, kingdom, make me king. You know, like, if anything, they're like, Lord, Moses is like, Lord, help me lead your people to safety and to the promised land. It's your people, God. David made loads of mistakes, but every time we would return to the Lord and say, this is your kingdom and your people, how should I lead them? Joseph, so much humility and leadership for the people around him. It wasn't about his kingdom. It was about God's kingdom. And there were people um, who prayed prayers of, of advancing their kingdom in the Bible, and I promise you, those types of people were not the people you wanted to be associated with. They were the Saul's of the Bible. They were the people who had dark hearts in the Bible and not our heroes. They're not the people that we want to be like. And according to Psalms 19, according to Romans 1, we are here not for our own glory, but that we have actually been fashioned in such a way to bring so much glory back to God. That, that God has made his handiwork in all of creation to bring himself glory. Habakkuk 2 says that he has appointed his people for work and making his glory known throughout the, throughout the earth. That that is what we're here for. Romans 8 says this, and I love this. I remember reading it years ago. It says that we are partakers in God's glory. Meaning this, there is no such thing as human glory. You would think different watching uh, Hollywood or watching the Golden Globes. But there is no such thing. There is only his glory, and we get to be partakers in what belongs to him. And I think that for a whole bunch of us, that sometimes we spend a lot of time. It might fall apart before I get here. building something like this. And I put it up here because I don't want you to forget ever what this looks like. That we can spend our life building and toiling and using our gifts and our money for something like this. 
And this took Keaton and Preston all day. <laughs> no, but like mad props, because I was like, can you build me a sandwich? And they were like, what? And I was like, I'm so sorry. Um, it took them all day. And in Matthew 7, Jesus says, it's simple. You build your house on me, nothing can come against you. Not, not discontentment. Not lack of peace. The storms will come and you will not fail. But if you build your house in the sand, in something that is here today and gone tomorrow, it will fail you. It will fail you. There's a book out there called Sandcastle Kings, and Rich Wilkerson Jr. said this. He says, Jesus wants you to stop building sandcastles and pretending that you're king. He's the king. And he wants to help you build your life um, on the only foundation strong enough to withstand the storms of life himself. And here's what God knows that sometimes we don't. It's that this world and the accolades and the dreams that you have in your heart, they're good. They were probably put there by God. But listen to me. They will never satisfy you the way partaking in his glory and being a part of his kingdom will. There are things that I've gotten to do in this life. I've gotten to lead people like I've dreamed about. I've gotten to preach. But nothing in my life compares to sitting in a chair and looking a human being in the eyes when I see the light bulb come on and I see her receive Jesus. It's his kingdom. I get to be a part of it. I am but a stage hand. I am but the best man in a wedding or a bridesmaid in a wedding between God and his church. That's who I am. That's who you are. You will never feel a sensation like seeing someone's come to Christ. You will never feel anything like it. And God wants you to know he wants you to be a part of that. And so what would it look like if everybody studying medicine in here, you woke up every day and you went to battle to care for people and not just their bodies but their spirits to let them know that not only um, does their body being taken care of by themselves and by the Lord but that they are loved by a God who is hoping to heal them. What would it be like if the teachers in here started to raise up kids, not with a bunch of like bloated self-confidence, but who had integrity and who had character and who treated other people the way that God is hoping his kids treat one another? What would it look like if we set out with the giftings and the talents and the abilities and the purposes and the activities and we made it about his world, his kingdom, and not our own? I think that if in 2017 we would be willing to say, God, not my kingdom, but your kingdom. Not my way, but your way. Not my dreams, but your dreams. Not my will, but your will. Not my might or my power, but your might and your power. I think if every single person in this room and watching online, if that would be your declaration in 2017, we would see the glory of God in our world. Band, you guys can come back up here. The last point is this, and it's simply this. Okay, but first, kingdom. Okay, but first, kingdom. Okay, but first. 
I think the big, biggest reason that um, I try to build my kingdom or I see other people try to build their kingdoms or we kind of set off down that road is simply this. We don't believe that his kingdom or we don't trust that his kingdom is really better than what we have in our minds for ourselves. A few years back, I was working for a wilderness therapy program uh, in Loa, Utah. It was the best job I ever had besides this job. And I would work with teens who had gotten uh, caught doing uh, some delinquent activity, and their choices were either, you know, they had to go uh, to juvenile detention or they had to come to this camp, uh, to this therapy program. And there was one kid, his name was Alex, and it was in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a desert in Loa, Utah. And at night, all the kids are, you know, they're eating their dinner, and that night it was like mac and cheese, so everybody was stoked, and, you know, and they're getting their packs ready for the night and laying out, um, that we call them wiggies, you know, their tents and stuff, and everybody's getting ready to go to bed, and Alex is at the corner of the camp, and he's just staring at the sky. And he was from New York City, and uh, he had never really even seen grass besides City Park, let alone like the middle of a desert in the middle of nowhere. And he's just staring at the sky, and I walk up to him, and I'm like, are you okay, bud? <laughs> you know. Mm. And, <laughs> and he's like, is that, is that a cloud? And I was like, no, bud, that's the Milky Way. And he's like, oh, my. I was like, that's like millions and billions of stars. And we're just one of them. He's like, that's amazing. And pretty soon, like, other kids started to join him. And they would leave their mac and cheese. They would leave what they were doing. They would leave their little purposes and little activities. And they would go and they would sit with Alex and stare at the stars, caught up in heavenly kingdom. And I'm wondering, how many of you have tasted and seen the glory of Jesus. How many of you have tasted him? I wonder if the church right now is struggling so bad because we need a revelation of Jesus. We need a revelation of his goodness, of his kingdom. We need a revelation. I, sometimes I will be in worship. And I literally will be like, I love my life. I love my family. I love my children. I love what I get to do, God, but I would love to be in heaven right now. His kingdom. Some of you in here, the Bible says in Psalms that we taste and see that the Lord is good. And I think that tonight and moving into this year, we need to say, okay, God, but first, what's your kingdom like? Can you show me your face? We are so desperately seeking his hand. God, add to my life. God, give to my life. God, mend this relationship and we miss his face. Can I just tell you a quick story? The time that I knew what I was going to do with my life was not when I was asking God to show me his hand or to build a castle for myself. I was so in love with him. And I was sitting in a worship service and I was like, just show me your face, please. I just want to see you. I love you. Can I just see you? I just want to see you. I know that's kind of a crazy prayer because Moses prayed it and then you were like, no, you can only see my backside, otherwise you're going to die. And like, but can you just show me your face, God? And I remembered I saw a lion. And then right there, he told me exactly why I was here. You want to see his hand, church? Okay, but first, 
You want to see him move in your life, church? Okay, but first, his face. You want to see things like you've never seen before? Look up to the heavens and get caught up in the only kingdom that is ever going to matter. Will you guys stand? I'm believing that even tonight, I'm believing that even tonight, that there are going to be loads of you in here that are going to taste and see that God is good, that his glory is full. Listen to me, this world is here today and gone tomorrow. You might not feel that now, but it is. It, we are but vapors. And there is a kingdom that exists, and it is sovereign and it rules over everything there is a kingdom that exists and it is holy and it makes no mistakes his character is foolproof there is a kingdom that is pure and good and righteous and there is a king that sits on a throne and he's in charge of it all and he's good and he never fails you and he loves you and he's full towards you and he wants good things for his children and he sent his son simply so that he could have you back for himself. There is a God who has built a kingdom for himself and in his grace and in his love, he would love it for you to be a co-laborer. There's already a star to the story. There's already a king in the kingdom. We get to be a part. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for tonight for every single person in here. I pray, God, that you would just show each person in here how good you are, how righteous you are, how in charge you are. God, I pray that you would make yourself known today um, to every single person in here, that people who have been um, seeking just, even in the purest places of their heart, they've been seeking, God, um, your hand, they've been seeking fulfillment of something, God, that they would look to you they would delight themselves in you and realize that you are the answer to everything that they have ever wanted and everything that they have ever needed. And right now, I just want to ask if there is anyone in here who came in tonight, maybe with a friend, and I've been talking and you're thinking, oh my gosh, does a God like this truly exist? Is there a God that's in charge of everything and he loves me and he's sovereign and he's capable and he's for me? And if you're in here tonight and listen to me, the Bible says that there is only one way to get saved and it is through God's son, the father's son, Jesus, that he was fully man and fully God, that he was crucified because of our sins that there is none who are righteous. Even if your grandma was awesome, there is none who is righteous. No, not one. But through him, we have received the forgiveness and the redemption of our sins, and we have received new life by his Holy Spirit. And if you are in here tonight and you don't know this, Jesus, I'm here to tell you there is no other kingdom. I'm here to tell you this world will fail you, but he will not. And if you would like to know this king tonight, would you just slip up your hand nice and high, nice and high right now, just high in the air, say yes to you, Lord, yes to you, Jesus, I see you, thank you, Lord, thank you, God, God, I pray for the people that received you, God, the Bible says that um, if we call upon you, if we 
call on the name of Jesus that anyone who calls on your name, God, will be saved. We thank you that heaven is real. We thank you that those people that raise their hands tonight, that they get heaven forever, but they also get your Holy Spirit in this moment. God, tonight I ask, can we taste and see you tonight? In Jesus' name.